1965, there was a popular song that was written by Hal David and Burt Bacharach. Uh, it was released in April of that month, and it went all the way to number seven on the Billboard's Top 100. I, some of you young people might never have heard it, but some of you may have. I'll sing a couple of bars, and you see if you could finish singing with me. It's, it's, what the world needs now is love, sweet Yeah, you knew it. Right. You know what? That's absolutely, that's, you know what's, what's interesting about that? Um, how old all of you are. Um, but what's else? No. What also is interesting, what also is interesting is that that was true in 1965 and it's true today. What the world needs now is love. Sweet, not manipulative love. Not codependent love. Not self-centered love. But Holy Spirit filled love. It's what we need. We are in a brand new series called The Way of Love. In the next few weeks, we are going to be diving deep on what it means to be loved and to love others. We're going to be answering four big questions about this massive thing called love. We're going to ask, what is love? Where does it come from? How can I get me some? And how can I share it with others? That's what we're going to be looking at. This is a vital series in the life of our church. It's really important. Because in our church, we want to be categorized. We want to be known as people who love. People who love well and who are loved by God. We need this series because many of us don't really understand how love works, what love is, how we can get it, and how can we share it with others. I know I struggle with this thing called love. I wonder if I'm the only one. You know, I, I didn't know how much I struggled with it until a few years ago. A few years ago, a friend of mine, well, he's now a friend. He wasn't a, he, we really didn't know each other uh, well then. He was going to be installed in a church. Now, the church was one that I helped and I served and I loved. And so they asked me if I would come over and be a part of the ceremony. Now, there were three other pastors, but two of which were from what you and I would call mega churches. One was a white pastor from Florida. Another one was a black pastor from Texas. Some of you would know their names if I mentioned them. They were really, really good preachers. And so the, the first pastor from Florida came up and he uh, shared and said some encouraging things to the pastor. And then he sat down and everybody was like, wow, that was fantastic. And then the, the, the pastor from Texas came up and honestly, he tore the roof off. It was unbelievable. The, the, the crowd was just amazed and they, they too clapped. And I said, I'm done, right? <laughs> this is not the way it should be, right? 
The last thing you want is a really good white pasta, and then a really good black pasta, and then a really bad Puerto Rican pasta, <laughs> right? It's the last thing. And so I went up there, and so, like, so, you know, they, they introduced me, and they called me up, so I ran up, and I was going to make a joke about, you know, a, you know, a white pastor and a black pastor and a Puerto Rican pastor <laughs> enter a bar. Like, I was going to, because I had no idea. I was like, this, is, uh, this did not turn out the way it was supposed to turn out. I was like, wow. Um, and so, and so I went up and I jumped in front of Renny and I was about to say my, my bar joke, right? And they all exploded into a standing ovation that honestly scared me. It, it startled me. I was like, whoa. I was like, there was tears in their eyes. We had gone through five years together and I knew how difficult their struggle was. And they loved me. Before I ever could say a word, before I could ever add value to the situation, to the ceremony, they loved me. But the, the scary part was I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to receive the love that they were giving me. You see, I didn't know this then, but as I've reflected on it since, I realized that when anybody, whenever anybody showed me love, I made excuses for them. Well, the reason that they're showing me love is because they really need the help that I can give them. Or the reason that that person loves me is because really they have no other choice. You know, there's not really a whole lot of options for them. Well, the reason that I'm being loved by that person is because I did something for them in the past and they feel obligated to um, reciprocate the love. I make excuses for people, people's love for me because I know me and I think to myself, no, I can't really be loved. Am I alone in that? Am I the only one who struggles with this in marriage, with friends? I know that there are some of us right now, right here, there are some of us who struggle with this idea of receiving and being loved. Some of, us, some of us have loved and then got so wounded, got so crushed, we said we were going to take our heart, we were going to lock it away, and we would never love again. And listen to me. And you've been successful at it. But the problem is, is that because you've never loved, you've never really experienced love. And so your heart is shriveling up. There are others of you that you think, oh no, I, my problem is not that I don't uh, uh, receive love or give love. My problem is that I love too much. And that I just extend myself and I love too much. And if we ask the people who were close to you, they would say, no, you don't love too much. You manipulate quite a bit. You use your kindness in order. And here's how you know if you're a manipulator or a lover. When people don't do what you want them to do, do you become bitter or do you love even more? Some of us, 
we fall, we're confused. We, we don't walk the way of love, we get confused. Others of us, maybe you don't ever even know what love is. Like if we passed this mic, especially in this room, and we said, talk to me about how you grew up. Talk to me about how the love you experienced at home. And you would have, we would have in this particular room, with the people who are watching online and all around the world, really, you would be able to tell this story. I don't know what love is. I was beaten. I was abused. What they said was love was really harm. I was never loved. And it affects everything. It affects the way I deal with friends. It affects, and I want to love, but I don't know love. This message, this series is for all of us. Whether you are a true, precious lover or you don't know how to love at all, this message is for you. This message is not only for the Recovery House of Worship, although I believe that the Recovery House of Worship will be wonderfully blessed if we get these messages into our heart, if the Spirit of God opens our heart to understand who He is and how He works in our hearts and how He leads us to love others well. I think that our lives would never be the same. But this message is not just for the Recovery House of Worship. The fact is, is that this world needs love. This world needs to know the way of love. Just think about it. If love, if this world had real love, you know what would happen with love? There would never need to be anything like a group called Black Lives Matter. Because black lives would have been loved well. Not discriminated against. Not murdered. They would have mattered in love. If love was the way of this world, we need this message. Because if love was the way of this world, there would be no such phrase as child abuse. That would never exist. If love was the way of the world with love, the divorce rate would plummet. Because people would not be looking for what they can get in a marriage, but rather what they could give in love. If love ruled the day, you and I would not walk around with this edge of anger that we walk around with. We need this message. You and I do. This world needs it. Let's bring it a little bit home because we've been talking about big things. Your marriage needs this. Your kids, your kids need to see this from you. Your work environment. Your work environment needs this. It needs your love. But not your love that comes from you. It needs your love that comes from Christ's love for you. 
We need this message. And so because we need this message, I'm not ashamed to, to ask you, make a commitment in your heart. Make a commitment in your heart that you're not going to miss one of these messages. That you're going to come and you're going to learn about love, what it is, where it comes from, how you can get it, and how you can share it with others. I want you to just say to your heart, you know what? Laundry can wait. Groceries, we'll do them on Saturday. Uh, getting our nails done, we'll have those for another day. I want you to make the commitment in your life. We need love. We're going to grow in love. We're going to make an investment in love. We're going to come and we're going to learn. But secondly, I need you to make another investment. Because this has got to go viral. This has got to go beyond the walls that we sit. This has got to go beyond just the individuals who watch this online. Invite your friends. Get them to come. Pick them up. We need this message. This world needs this message. So I want you to listen in because Jesus has a message of love for us. For those of you who are sitting in this room, for the person who's sitting in your seat, Jesus has a message of love. We're going to find it in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. And before we go to the passage, Jesus is, has just explained to abide in him. He's given them uh, a great lesson, an illustration on abiding, being within Christ and following Christ and letting him lead and guide. Jesus has just told them that. And then in verse 9, he tells them something that is so explosive, sometimes my heart can't take it. You know why? Because I think when it comes to Jesus, that he's going to love a future version of me. You know, the version of me that's better than the one that is now. That Jesus is going to love a future version of me that's nicer than the one that is now. The future version of me that doesn't sin as much as the one that presently sins now. I keep on waiting for Jesus to love a future version of me. And Jesus says, no, I love you right now. I love you con coraje. I love you with passion. His love is for you. Now, this series, interestingly enough, it's for believers. It's for people who have already put their trust in Christ. But if you're here and you're new and you go, I don't know, I'm not sure I know Jesus, I'm not sure I love Jesus, you are, I am so glad that you're here. Because if you're new and you're here, then you get to eavesdrop on what it looks like to walk in Christ. And if you're here and you're kicking the Christian tires, you get to say, hey, I'm not sure I want to be down with that. You get to make an informed decision about what it means to walk in Christ, to live in Christ, to be a Christ follower. So I'm grateful that you're here. And if you've been coming around for a long time, I'm grateful that you're here too because you're going to get to see that love is not so much what your hands do. It's what God does in your heart. So let's get right into the text. Now, tradition in our church is that we stand. Let me explain to you why we stand when we read to God's Word. Because we want to wake up all the sleepy people. No, I'm kidding. No. No, that's not why we do it. Let me tell you why we stand. We stand 
Because God's word, we feel in this church that God's word is wonderful. And so we want to give it our full attention and our full respect and our full reverence. We have a high view of God's word. And so we stand to let our bodies know God is going to speak through his word. And so we're going to read this. I'm going to read all the way up to verse 15. And then the last two verses, 16 and 17, you guys are going to read with me. Is that okay? All right. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father... Father will give you my command. Love each other. This is God's Word. Please have a seat. Jesus is teaching something that if we just, listen to me, if you just applied this one passage, your marriage would go from dreadful to delightful. If you just applied this one passage, your workplace would go from unbearable to unbelievable. If we just applied this one, mar- one passage, if we got serious with this one passage, our hearts would go from bitter to better. If we applied this one passage, saw this one passage for what it really is, our lives would be transformed. Let's look at what Jesus says. This first line is super important because everything else is based upon this line. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Pause. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Everything that Jesus is going to talk about, Jesus is going to ask us to obey his commands, to remain in his joy, to love, uh, love him and love others. Jesus is going to ask all those things, but everything is based on this sentence. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He's speaking to Christ followers. His love is in the past. You didn't have to perform for it. You didn't have to try for it. You didn't have to go for it. You didn't have to do things that you think that religious people have to do in order to become loved by God. God God is God is flagrant with his love. God is overbearing with his love. God is unbelievable with his love. God's love knows no bounds. His love comes first. Now this is huge. If you receive this, this changes everything. Because everything that we're going to ask, everything that Jesus is going to ask us, as we read through these passages, is done from love, not for love. 
You've been loved well. You've been loved well. He's loved you. You go, how has, he, how has he loved me? Well, if you don't know him, he's loved you to the degree that he's brought you here. And there's many other points in your life that I'm sure you'll be able to point to where God has been trying to get your attention. Sometimes a, an old lady on the corner giving out tracts. Sometimes a grandmother who was praying for you. Different ways where God tried to get your attention. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The second thing we learn from this sentence is that God, the phrase, God is love. Has anybody ever heard that? It's a scripture. God is love. Is really true. The Trinity has experienced love since before time began. This is so important because when we were growing up, many of us were told that the, why did God create us? God created us because he needed someone to love. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. God is sufficient all by himself. God does not need you. God does not need me. God doesn't need any of us. God experienced. Now, this is real, real different from every other God that you've ever heard of. Because God is triune, because God is trinity, then God is, because God is in relationship. The Father, God the Father loves God the Son, and God the Son loves God the Holy Spirit, and all back and forth. There's love within the trinity. And so God explodes everything God does, creating the grass on the floor, creating the universe that we experience. Everything explodes out of deep love. And with that love, God has loved you. God has loved you in your dirty. God has loved you in your grimy. God has loved you when you've made it, and God has loved you when you failed. God has loved you when you've met your own standards, and God has loved you when you've lowered those very standards and still didn't make it. God has loved you because he is love. And since that's true, here's what he says. Now remain in my love. Since I've done everything that you need, since my love is perfectly yours, since God cannot love you. Remember, I'm, sp I'm speaking to Christ followers. God cannot love you anymore if you became a saint here on in, and God cannot love you any less if you acted like Satan from here on in. God's love is perfect and beautiful and doesn't depend on your ability to love and do well. But Jesus says this. He says, since I love you like this, I have an idea. Stay here. <laughs> Remain in my love. Why would you want to go away? I mean, think about that, right? It's the, uh, right? Daddy Warbucks goes into the orphanage, right? And he sees Annie and she's just singing and cleaning away. And he goes, I'm going to take you with me. And he says, all of this is yours. He takes her home and, you know, right? And, and then the paintings and the mansions and the big house and the money. And his love is all hers. There's nothing 
she can do to earn what she's received. There's nothing she can do. He loves her without her permission. You know, God is like that with you. God sees you in your sin and in your muck and in your mire, and he says, I'm going to save you. And you go, I don't deserve it. And he whispers, I know. And you go, but I, 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 I need to be good enough. He goes, listen, I've seen you 30 years from now. You won't be good enough. Trust me. You'll never be. Because it's not your love. It's his love. And his love overflows. God's love overflows. That's the big idea today. That God's love overflows onto your life. It pours out like Niagara Falls. Verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. So you go, how do I remain in this love? That sounds kind of esoteric. Jesus goes, hey, I got an idea. Do what I tell you to do. Let me tell you something. That is right and good. How many of you, how many of you who love your children would let your children play, like go to the zoo and let your children jump over the fence and play with the little cute little polar bears. Oh, look at the polar bears. Oh, they're so fuzzy. How many of you would say, no, 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 listen, listen. Listen, I love you and I want you to remain in my love by obeying my commands. I want you to do what I tell you to do because I know better than you. You tell your children, you say things like, no, I don't want you to hang out with that person. Why? Because it won't go well with you if you hang out with that person. I don't want you to go in that direction. Why? And what do our kids say? Our kids go, oh, you don't understand because none of us have ever been 14 before. And so you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't, and, and listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not talking about 14-year-olds. I'm talking about grown men and women and their response to God as he gives them direction and guidance. And we go, God, you don't understand. You don't get me. Because you know what? God has never been a person before. Oh, wait. God the Son came from heaven to earth. And in the scriptures, the Bible says that he is a high priest who knows all about your temptations and your sufferings. And so, since he knows all about it, he says, I got an idea. Stay in my love. Do what I'm telling you. I, I know where all the minefields are. I know where all the death traps are. I want you to just follow my direction. And you will be overjoyed. You and I would not, would not call someone a friend if they knew that our husband or wife was cheating on us and kept it a secret from us. Isn't that true? Right? Like you would want better friends than that, right? Like if you were with your spouse and they're cheating, you go, oh my gosh, you know, I just, you know, uh, I saw this in a restaurant and you should really address this, right? Because that's what love does. Love confronts, love directs, love guides. God does that for each and every one of us. He says, if you want to remain in my love, I got an idea. Do what I'm telling you to do. Just, and this is interesting, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I love that that's there. Because 
Jesus could never lose his father's love. And you could never lose your father's love. His love for you is permanent. Isn't that good news? That you're no longer trying to perform to be good enough for God, but that you could be loved even when you fail and fall short? That's great news. I told you this. This is great. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Christ wants our love to overflow. And so he says, I want you to know this. He goes on. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now I want you to notice that you go, Jesus said, remain in my love, obey my command. And you go, wait, what's your command? You ready? We just read it. Love each other. But don't love each other like you love each other. Good night, that stinks, right? Your love is all sorts of conditional. Mine love too, right? You know, It's all sorts of conditional. It's all sorts of uh, uh, baggage behind it. Jesus says, love others. And then he gives us a definition. The way I've loved you. Love the unlovely. Love those who don't reciprocate. Love those who don't respond to your love. Love like I love. Love with a sacrificial love. Love like that. Now, of course, here at the Recovery House of Worship, I have to qualify that, right? Because some of us simply struggle with this concept that's very popular, but it's very rarely defined. It's a thing called codependence. Anybody ever heard of that? Maybe one or two of you have, right? And so what codependence is, is that you need someone to fulfill something within you so that you could be whole. So what you do is you spend currency, time, sometimes self-respect, sometimes uh, you give up, you know, you spend friends, all in an effort to get this person to complete you, to make you feel whole. So when I say love like Christ, love in a sacrificial way, love in a way that um, loves the unlovely, I'm not talking about the manipulation that one does when one is codependent and asking someone to create in them a reality that's not there. Asking someone to fulfill them when they won't ever be fulfilled. That is not the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about truly loving well. What does that look like? You know what that looks like? With maybe your son who's acting out and and using, you know what that might look like? The love, the deep love that you might have for him. What might it look like? It might look like you going, I love you so much. That's why I changed the locks and that's why you can't come back here. I loved you. I love you so much because I want you to experience. Since I can't take away your addiction, I'm not going to take away your consequences. You know what love looks like? Love looks like husbands, listen to me, not fighting for peace in the moment, but fighting for joy in the marriage. So it goes, oh, why didn't you, you know, so you go, you know, so uh, someone comes up and says to me, you know, a guy says, oh, she was crazy, she's acting this way. And I said, well, did you confront it? He goes, nah, nah, that would just get worse. I'm like, no, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. 
You'd have to address that. Because if you're going to fight for peace in the moment, you'll never have joy in the marriage. And sometimes you have to go, honey, you're being, this feels like you're being um, unloving. It feels like you're not walking in love. And maybe there's some things that I've sinned against you that you need to tell me about. I want to hear about them so that I can feel the pain in my own heart, run to Jesus and have him fulfill me, and then come back to you in love. You see, it's not the avoidance of confrontation. It's the presence of love. Love. Real love. Not your love. God's love. What does it look like with your children? What does it look like in your workplace? What does it look like? Real love. This love that looks like Jesus' love. Not codependent love. Real love. What does it look like? Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. This is, this is the crux of this passage. Jesus is saying, listen, I have laid down my life for you. Now go do likewise. I have given my life for you. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I, that I learned from my father I have made known to you. This is powerful because if you take all of, all of Jesus' words and you go, what did Jesus teach? Tell me all of his words. Love. Love God. Love others. He's let us know everything that we need to know right in this passage. Everything. Jesus has asked earlier in his ministry, he's asked, uh, put, the, put the Bible in a nutshell. He goes, love God, love others. Put the Bible in a nutshell. No, 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 there's hundreds of commands. There's the first ten commands, and then there's hundreds of laws and hundreds of commands. How, how do you put all of that in the, oh, I, I, I know, watch this. Love God, love others. Think about how your marriage would have changed. Think about how your last argument would have gone differently if you'd have just saw, oh my gosh, am I loving God? Am I loving her? Am I loving God? Am I loving him? Everything boils down to the one command. Love God, love others. You did not choose me. I love that. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit. Fruit that will last. What will be this fruit? He tells us. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, there's a verse that has been taken out of context a million times, right? Uh, you know, ask and the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. The basis of it is a conversation of love. You see? Because when you're filled with love, you start asking for things that are very loving. Not selfish. Loving. When you're filled with love, you overflow in your requests, love requests. So it's no longer keep my child in line or keep my child safe. The prayers become, God, make my child one that follows and obeys you even in dangerous places. With my husband, with my wife, the, the, the question becomes, God, help them to love me better. And instead, becomes, God, help me to experience your love to overflow on their 
lives. It changes everything. Ask in my name, Jesus says, and there'll be all sorts of miracles that you see take place in your own life and in the lives of others. This is my command, and he boils it down. Love each other. That's it. Love each other. I was at a retreat, and I was crushed by this concept that I really don't love well, that I don't. That a lot of my love comes from manipulation and duty. Do you know what I mean by manipulation and duty? Manipulation means I'm doing something so that I could get someone to perform, behave, or, or some, in some way act the way I want them to act. And then duty, which is all uh, responsibility and you know, obligation. A lot of my love falls into those two categories. And I was devastated because like, I'm a pastor and I think I really love, but I don't. And so I started, to, I started to pray and ask Jesus to look into my own soul. And he did. It was ugly. It wasn't full of Christ's love. It was full of Edwin's ambitions and Edwin's uh, desires and Edwin's... See, as a church, I have a vision for us. I have a, I have a vision that our church would be the most loving church that our church would be the kind of church that is so in love with Jesus that when other people talk badly about us, it doesn't mean that much because we're loved by Jesus. That when other people go, you know, when other people say, you know what, Edwin, you disappointed me and you're like a failure and you're no good and you're this and you're that. And you go, wow, you know, it's far worse than what you just said. It's far worse. And in that, I'm still loved by Christ. Wouldn't that be something if you could stop pretending because it doesn't matter, you're loved by Christ. If you could stop faking because you're loved by Christ. If you could stop trying harder and doing better because you're loved by Christ. Wouldn't that be something? My vision for our church is that, especially during this series, that we would grow as loving people that we would ask God to show us our hearts and that we would follow him. Let me tell you why. Because love overflows from God into your life and then overflows from your life into others' lives. Now, you go, how can I love others well? How can I, help, how can I, how can I ask God to check my soul. What are some of the markers? How can I love others when I'm not sure I know exactly how to do that? Well, that is going to be the content of the rest of this series. Right now, what we have is an issue. We don't love well. Even, even, even with my kids, I can see motivations that are not based on love. Motivations that are based on how I look in the eyes of others. Motivations that are based on what this means to me. Self-centered things. But I bet you have those too. And throughout this series, we're going to ask God to give us more love. Because this world really does need love. And love that comes from God and that flows through us. Let's pray.